Hi, Jens here. Are you interested in innovation? This might be something for you too. Every Friday, I share the latest innovation articles, ideas, videos, books, podcasts, and more that I discovered during the week in my newsletter, Connect the Dots. If you subscribe, you will receive an email into your inbox every Friday. You can't find the newsletter anywhere else, so you have to subscribe if you want to receive it. Head over to jensheitland.com, scroll to the bottom of the page and sign up. But now, let's get started with the podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Jens Heitland Show where I connect the dots of innovation and entrepreneurship. My name is Jens Heitland and welcome to the show. Today's show is a slightly different format. It is an innovation breakfast format where I will meet with previous guests to explore specific topics. So today we're going to explore entrepreneurial cultures. So please welcome to the show, Dennis Luya, Joshua Natal and Werner Pucha. Welcome, everyone. It's great to have you. How are you doing? Hey. Very good. Good to be here. <laughs> Fellow South Africans and Dutch folks. Hello. It's good to be How's here, Jens. And, and Germans. And please. Germans. And Germans. Moloeni Salbona. Ah, yeah. You're bringing it, Joshua. You're bringing it. I like that. So we're, we're now connected over two continents. That's awesome. And f for a breakfast, even. Yeah. yeah. So that you guys are one hour later officially or joshua is it one hour later no no joshua's in the same space right same time yeah, one one we we're just one hour behind uh yeah. cet yeah. yeah oh you're oh you're in no, daylight savings south africa doesn't believe in daylight savings ah. they just get stuff done they don't want to sleep mm. you know that's that's that that's that's fitting to to the entrepreneurial culture topic today exactly so let's let's get into this um let's start very broad What is entrepreneurial culture and organization? What it is about? Who wants to start? The weird thing is that people tend to put such such a such a load on the word entrepreneurial. And in, in, I don't know, in Dutch, it's ondernemen. Ondernemen zijn. Yeah. So you get people saying, we need more ondernemen people. So we need more entrepreneurs, which is a, is a, like an open ticket to saying, we need people to, with, with a go-get attitude that solve stuff on the go. Mm. That's not something that it's a, there should be like an official statement by the CEO saying, uh, guys, you have a free reign to do whatever you want to do outside of your regular way of working. I don't know if that works in a, in a company, yeah. but they do want it. They say, oh, we want to have more go-get mentality and not people following orders. But if you if you get people to do that, then suddenly they say, "Oh no no!" But th th that far is too far. <laughs> so entrepreneurial in a company is uh, maybe only fit for certain people, maybe only in innovation. I don't know. My thoughts are maybe a little bit different. I have to anchor it in where I actually learned about entrepreneurial spirit. So, I mean, in my career, I've been all over the place and different things. And there's always this kind of challenge of how you try and define yourself as a, as an offering to the market. And, and, uh, you know, am I a designer? Am I a creative? Am I an experience designer? And, uh, it was when I was at Deloitte that I realized what it means to be entrepreneurial. And it's kind of a mindset because in, uh, in the organization there, even though it's a big firm, we have all these smaller divisions within the firm, right? And the firm, kind of gets taken care of and it's a partnership so each little partnership is actually a business in its own mm. and the thing is where i started learning about entrepreneurship is two things first of all letting go of what my title is relating to my skill set and then starting to focus on making that little unit successful as a business to understand what it means as a business because i think entrepreneurs are fundamentally people who understand how a business runs how that business can be uh uh, you know, turned into a system so it becomes sustainable and then also 
profitable and, and has a long-term view on things. Because I think sometimes, and like Dennis said, and I, Dennis, I, I think that is also sometimes a spirit when you say entrepreneurial in the business, is that uh, it's like uh, senior people letting go of their responsibility to run the business and giving it to, to younger people coming in and say, listen, just go make, and I don't want to swear, shit happen. Just go there and make it happen. You're in your own, make your magic. And that, I don't think that is entrepreneurial spirit. I mean, it's, it's focusing on, you know, becoming someone who focuses on how to run a business, do, doing it successfully. And, and, and I'm going to stop rambling now and give Joshua a chance to say something too. <laughs> That's good. Joshua. Yeah, Vanna, just building off sort of some of the things you said, I think, and to Jens address the question, you know, what is, what is an entrepreneurial culture? Um, and I think, you know, you start with continuity and experimentation and how do you create a mindset one, but also a framework that you allow that to be created inside. And I think that inside an organization and to some of the points that Dennis raised around the space that needs to be created to allow something like that to develop. Is it right for every team? Is it right for every person inside that organization? But I think a big part of it is allowing people to have that opportunity to explore and to experiment and to create. Because I think sometimes in terms of organizational structures, we can become too siloed and too yeah. one-minded in terms of how we approach things. And then, you know, linking back to a point that Vanna made, made around, you know, too often I think that when we think about entrepreneurship as a skill set, we forget that it's actually a mindset as well. Because in order to make magic happen, you need to sort of shift the way that you think. You can't just approach things with the same mindset or the same way of thinking that you've been taught to think through things. You often need to experiment and create to, to fail and learn along the way. That's an Good awesome point. start. Dennis, you want to say something? <laughs> yeah, so, so this, this leads into the idea that um, uh, it's very difficult to get people to change their mindset. And when you get people uh, high up in the chain saying that they need the culture to be more entrepreneurial, then, like you say, you need to create spaces where that is allowed. So we are, uh, 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 you have an open, open carte blanche to, uh, to go and do whatever you need to do to move forward uh, and explore, experiment, and create, like you said. So in these three words, I think there are already um, huge challenges. If you, get, if you want to get people to explore, uh, you need to make it comfortable enough for them to do it and make it uncomfortable enough to make it interesting, you know, but not too difficult. And then when you want to experiment, they need to uh, know that it's okay to fail, which is another huge obstacle to uh, to go past. Yeah. And, and when you get to the point where you actually have to create something, when people ha have not had the training to create something, when they are part, or when they've learned how to be, in a functional role or do something as part of a whole and not separately start something, start something new in their own right or with a team or going from something to, from nothing to something. That's also a huge step. So it sounds very alluring to say, well, we have to adapt to an entrepreneurial growth mindset. You know, everybody wants to have the growth mindset, but the problem is that a lot of people who have gone uh, to design school, for instance, they have learned that it's very hard to keep that going because they've learned how to do it uh, over a long period of time. And once they actually get into the corporate environment, it is not like they've learned. You know, they had freedom to design at university or at trade school or whatever. And then when you get to a, to a corporate environment, the acceleration is so immense that there's no space for them to explore and experiment and they only want they're only uh, uh, part of something that needs to be accountable at the end of the the week or the month or by the end of a sprint or you know and everybody loses their perspective on how they literally can be entrepreneurial and, and because, maybe to that to, to that point just quickly dennis is do you think then one of the things is that we're using the the wrong metrics to, to measure things and the wrong scores of value to underline performance, which potentially can, you know, negatively impact the way that we think about creativity and the way and the spaces that we create for people to be entrepreneurial. So I think metrics are a huge thing because the idea about metrics is to see if you are successful in a certain space of, in time, in, in an environment, which is a part of control. You know, and we're and we're when we're saying we need to explore and experiment, 
then we need to be free. We need to be set free of frames of control. And uh, which does not mean that uh, a goal or an objective is not something that you, you, you don't need. Personally, I am a very chaotic person. If I do not have a, an objective to whatever I'm doing, I, 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 I space out, I get lost. You know, uh, I need a goal to, to work towards. Otherwise, um, uh, uh, I start to ramble. <laughs> That's, I would like to lift us up again. So it's yeah. awesome. We will go into change spaces, growth mindset, and the other topics as well uh, in a later stage. So we, we touched on the topic entrepreneurship. We haven't dove too much into culture. For me, it's like that's that's a topic. So, how do we define culture in in an, in an organization? How do we how how do we think about that? That's a difficult one for me to answer. Actually, I think the the first comment I'll make is that the culture and this is this is this sounds like a bit blasé, right? But the culture comes from the top, right? It really comes from the leadership. And I've seen it now with some of the clients that I've worked with. So if the CEO has a kind of um, entrepreneurial spirit and he passes that down to whoever reports into him and he builds the organization around that culture of entrepreneurship, that's when I think it starts taking, you know, it's, it sticks. Mm. Um, what that culture is and what that is defined as, I would like to pass it on to my uh, colleagues on the panel to dive into that. But I've I've really seen that that you know I've I've believed in the in the past that um, a boer market plan right um, when you're in a situation no matter what the circumstance you make a plan to make things work and have that entrepreneurial spirit but as an organization it needs to come from the top down. Yeah, I think that's a great starting point, Van. And you know, before we started recording, we were talking about how do you present yourself, um, and especially in this digital world that we now live in and that we're conversing over. Many of us are wearing, you know, T-shirts and there's a perception out there in terms of what that means and how you are perceived inside of that space. And I think that that's an interesting starting point to think about culture from, because when one talks about an entrepreneur, what is the first thing that comes to mind? Is it, you know, the Steve Jobs of the world where they were rocking around in sandals, rolled up jeans and turtleneck sweaters? Or is it um, like Jens has his applied innovation T-shirt on? What is the first thing that comes to mind? And I think that's quite interesting when you start unpacking that because it, it, we, we already have preconceived ideas around culture. And it's one thing building that out and growing that inside an organization. But Banner, to your point, it definitely does come down from, from the top or from the senior levels inside an organization. But I also think it's the type of people that you bring into, into an organization. Um, and, you know, Jim, Jim Collins in, in Good to Great and Beyond Entrepreneurship He talks about starting with the who. And I think that that's quite an important thing is when you start thinking about cultures, how are you bringing around the right people to either further that culture or to create a culture inside an environment that then promotes entrepreneurial thinking and a creative mindset. Yeah, love that. Grown up in IKEA, there was always the, one of the topics was you need to be a good example as a leader in an organization because that's the only way how people truly do what you're saying. So not just force people to do, it's also help them understand and help them see what you're doing. So when you're, that, that's, that's how you got trained when you're a store manager or a leader inside an Ikea store. It's like you pick up the trash because everyone will see that you as a manager, as a leader, pick up the trash and others will follow you. And that was done by the founder of the business when he was visiting stores. So that's, you can imagine how people see that working in that company and that's, I think one of the big topics for me as well, where it that's that's a culture which is true, a culture which is not a forced culture. It's like you see that, and and people see that good example, and people will follow or want to follow that good example. So Dennis. that's a good point. So there, there's a difference between, like you say, true culture, which if you I maybe define it like um, if you have a company like that has been run by a family. Uh, for uh, uh, 50 years mm -hmm. and um, there's people craftsmen that are really good at creating um, let's say um, uh, bikes uh, really good at what they're doing they've grown into it they've never done anything else they're uh, uh, 40-year veterans uh, part of the development of great bikes over the years when you're working inside of a, a company and you you taste 
what people are doing in their craft, I would say that is, to me is true culture. You know, when you walk inside of a space uh, and you can smell and you can feel that people are doing things in a certain way, then mm-hmm. it is a, then you can feel true culture. But this happens on different levels. So somebody who is um, uh, being a very good craftsman or woman um, improves constantly, but their focus lies on improving their craft constantly. And they are constantly doing the same thing, but repeating it, repeating it, repeating it, and getting better at it and better at it, better at it. And then um, something great happens. You have people who uh, uh, want to have more bikes and the family company starts to instantly at some point out of some kind of a fluke starts to grow. And from the 50 people, now suddenly you have about 75. And then because there is something great that you're doing, now you have 150. Mm -hmm. And now you have double, triples the amount of people in your company. And now something interesting happens because here you get people who uh, are part of the old crew and the old mindset of doing things right. And then you have new people uh, who might challenge and say, well, you are doing things in the right way, uh, but maybe we can, are, are you doing the right things? You know, and because they, they haven't challenged their, their thinking in all that time, and then you get new people and a new culture coming in, and then you get a clash between old craftsmen and young bucks trying to uh, create their a space in a, uh, create their place in a space. And then there's even a difference in the fact that when you have all these craftspeople becoming better at what they're doing, then you have new people who are even younger who have been trained to think in new concepts. And let's call them innovators. Let's call them designers and creatives who are uh, now saying, well, let's make a bike with three wheels. And the people who have been doing their thing for a long time are saying, what? What are you, what are you saying? Mm-hmm. Then... That idea of, and then we get to the entrepreneurial spirit a little bit, because the people who are in the uh, in that fixed, maybe true culture, they fix things. When something is broke, everybody is part of fixing it, but they tend to fix it and not uh, renew it and make it better. They tend to fix it around in a space where they just plaster it until it doesn't doesn't break. And the idea is that when you are ready and when you're growing into a bigger culture, it's interesting to say, well, let's do it in a different way. And what would that look like? And that people who are, are entering in the, into that domain usually are entrepreneurial people because we need them to explore, we need them to experiment, and we need them to create new structures that are imposed and shared with people who may not want to change. So in that sense, the true culture is different from the culture that maybe somebody wants to make a lot of money or wants to have a legacy that I want to leave behind. They say, well, our culture is this and this and this, these three terms. We had a whole team figure out the three values of the company, which has nothing to do with the people who are actually working in it. You know? And then you said, we want to be like this. Well, you need to be, get everybody together to become something like that. So there's a difference in being and becoming. And the becoming part, I think you need entrepreneurs to explore, experiment, and create. I like those three words, uh, Joshua. Sorry for rambling. That's good. There's a lot of truth in that. I wouldn't. I wouldn't call it like the the true culture. I, w- I would more call it the origin culture because mm-hmm. for me, it's a culture need to evolve with the business, need to evolve with the company and what it is about. Because the culture fit maybe to that. Let's say it's five people in that bike store shop. It fitted at that time at, in that uh, specific space. But if they're going towards, let's say, global market reach, whatever, they need to change their culture going forward so that the culture is evolving. And I think that's that's what, what makes really, really good leaders who understand that the culture needs to evolve and they let it happen, even if it's maybe it's it's itching them that this might not be the right culture. But as, as the founder entrepreneur, that's what you need to see and then step back. Even also interesting for companies that are just starting is how do you how do you build the first culture? How does the first culture happening? And for me, it's at, at least in my experience, I I try to orchestrate that in a way that it is happening rather than forcing it. And and it's not from a theory. Hey, these are our ten values, and that's how we're doing. 
if you're five people, that's not needed to have a, a structure like a, a formal public company because everyone is part of it. Everyone will work in one or the other way. Everyone is knowing everything yeah. uh, if you set it up in that way. But I really I, like the word, the first culture. Hmm. First culture, which implies there are more cultures over time. Yeah. This is something that not a lot of people can do. They cannot step back and look what it meant to have a certain basic startup culture to grow from a, one from one person to 30 people uh, and that fit was perfect for that time and then when you move on there's a second culture which means which means you have to consolidate and you have to create uh, processes and standardize do all kinds of things that the first culture might not want to do and make it but make it ready for a continuity beyond that first culture and i'm wondering how many cultures there are that's a good question. I, I have a, a very good question. I have a comment and a and a question. So my first comment, and this is kind of like a, a practical tip. I just read it the other day, and I realized that I've seen it in my own career. Is that um, how do you kind of figure out if your culture is good or bad? Because remember, some of us have to install this culture. There's a guy called David Burkus, and he wrote a book, blah blah blah. But um, like the way you can look at it, if you have to um, manipulate people to follow your lead and follow your culture and follow what you want to do, then you have a problem. Yeah. If you find that in your in your work, and I've seen it with some of the teams I work with and some of the companies I work for, the only thing you have to do to uh, get people going is to inspire them. So I remember when I was at advertising agency working with the likes of Lee Klau, they will come on a screen and then sit there in their sandals and tell a story. And then when you walk out, you're so inspired, you can do your stuff. But then in some companies where I've worked, it's like the CEO or whatever has to manipulate people to do things. So I think it's a nice like little test. If, you've, if you're not sure where your culture is in your organization or even in your team for yourself, because sometimes we're the guys who screw up. The other thing I want to ask you guys is because I, I'm getting a bit befuddled here. I come from a, from a background where people were really pushing and they were using the word innovation culture. We have to instill a culture of innovation in the organization. And at the moment in the panel, we're talking about a culture of entrepreneurship and then a culture of innovation. What is the difference? For me, you could you can really get stuck between the two and, and maybe talk about the one and actually refer to the other one. Like, what is the difference between the two? Is there a difference or do they plug in? Or I really uh, would like to know what you guys think. Let's dive into how I, I define entrepreneurship culture first. So entrepreneurship culture for me is, is, is the true understanding of everyone working inside of the business of what the business is and how they can contribute to the business with their way of thinking, with their way of acting. And allowing this to happen is, I agree with the, the top-down approach, but I think it's more from a leadership approach, which is like empowering your organization to be entrepreneurial as a leader rather than forcing the organization to do it. Yeah. So that's, that, that's, that's for me very, very important because that's long-term successful. Innovation for me is, there can be different ways of innovation cultures. For me, it's, it's, it, it, it is a step up from the entrepreneurial culture in, in a way. So yes, you contribute to your business, but the inter, innovation culture for me is as well in looking into challenging your business rather than just focusing on supporting your business in the best way. It's like, how do you take your business out of business from an innovation perspective? How do you take it to the next level? Um, which I know is as well a little bit entrepreneurship, but it's, for, for me, it's, it's, a, it's a different mindset from understanding how you can challenge and question what you're doing on a daily basis and question your culture, everything what's going on from an innovation perspective to say, not to destroy the business, but with the understanding that if we work in this way, if we keep our business in this way for the next 20 years, we will not be successful. So what do you need to change to be able to grow, to be able to have yeah. more impact in this world? That's for me the difference. Yeah, so I think the engineers a number of great points there. And Fran, it's a, it's a superb question and definitely gives me a lot of a lot of food for thought. And I think to start off, maybe I'll, I'll start answering your question by, with another question is, is entrepreneurship and an entrepreneurial mindset right for every business? Um, because just as you know, the way that people are different, different people need and use different mindsets to thrive and grow and, and develop as they go on through their journey. 
So I think, you know, to, to answer the question, and I think it's, there are many things that I would take from Jens and agree with what Jens mentioned, but slightly differently in the sense that I think entrepreneurial mindset and the culture is sort of the overarching side of things. And it's something that we raised right at the beginning of the conversation about the willingness to understand and create a, con a continuous structure and, a, and an ever-evolving business. And that is informed by an innovation culture. And I think that the difference between them is where you're really, t you're talking about business continuity and thinking forward thinking and also evaluating what you're doing wrong and what you're doing right. But inside an innovation culture, you're pushing yourself to think differently. You're pushing yourself to experiment and not to say that that doesn't exist separately in an entrepreneurial culture. But I think that inside teams and specific entities inside organizations, an innovation culture can exist in isolation and separate from the overall and uh, entrepreneurial culture inside of that same organization. Um, so it's sort of a informed informed by the other, but indefinitely the entrepreneurial culture sort of is the overarching framework and mindset that yeah. that I see it working within. The reason I ask the question is where, and, and I think we can look at things different ways, is that when I think about entrepreneurship, and then as you all, you all identify with this comment I'm going to make, is that it's about working on the business, not in the business, mm -hmm. right? And the, but the problem is, or the challenge is, is that you need to also need people to work in the business. So while you know, when 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 I was in Deloitte, and I was working with the partner, we were we were driving the business. So we were looking at the numbers, we were connecting with clients, we were we were nurturing and growing the business. We were working on the business. But then while we were doing that, we still required a whole team of people to work in the business to deliver the work, to, to, to create the value for the customers we have. But then when I looked at my team in that, that, that was working in the business, I expected from them to challenge the systems that we're working in. I wanted them to be innovative, to, to turn around things in a different way, to, be, to become more efficient. Um, so, you know, I think like you said, Joshua, they can work together. But then, then I, I'm not making like entrepreneurship or the business side more important than innovation because, I mean, like we've now seen in the pandemic, a lot of organizations had to innovate and change the meaning of their organization really fast. And then the innovation part actually sits as like a, a driven thing that kind of have to like pivot your business to something new. So it's not, it doesn't have to be so the hard and fast rule, right? Yeah. So on that, maybe Vanden, that's an interesting point that you raised there is could could innovation culture and an innovation mindset be a tool that sits inside your entrepreneurial toolshed? So I, I want to go a little bit back because I'm, I'm, that's a good thought. But I want to go back to something that Werner said about the fact that you, uh, when you're working in the business, you are you want people to innovate and become more efficient. I think there's a huge difference between uh, improving yourself and innovating yourself. So improving yourself is something you do to uh, um, uh, literally be better at what you're doing and that your value within the company rises. You know, you do a course in that to improve your skill or improve um, your perspective on what it is that you're doing, improve your, uh, your function or your role. But when you, when you, when you uh, actually um, think about something new, uh, how you grow towards something you are becoming, instead of what you are, you go into a space which is sometimes not very comfortable for people because it's unsure. You don't know what you're going to be. You don't know what you want. You don't know what's there. There's people who are really good at that. There's, those people are innovators. There's people who want to jump in and go into a space where you're working on the business or where, where you're at least going outside of that loop that you're trying to improve yourself constantly. And this is where you develop. And there's a huge difference between improving yourself and developing yourself. I mean, Dennis, I do, of course, uh, agree with you, right? Um, uh, because I also think that sometimes people see innovation and then it's actually just incremental improvement, right? So iPhone 12 is not innovation. It's just an incremental improvement. Yeah. But yeah. perhaps technology within the app, in, within the phone or certain smaller things is innovative, right? And I do see, and you know, I've seen it in some of my teams that I've led before, right, that um, and I think that we also need to be careful there that we don't task them to be better entrepreneurs if we need them to be innovators, right? Mm -hmm. So in my teams, for example, uh, I didn't expect uh, people to become incrementally better. That's what the organization wants them to do anyway because we do KPIs in the year and say, did you incrementally get better? 
Yeah. 10%. Okay, cool. Here's your bonus. But then I had, and I worked, and I had the privilege to work with people who looked at their tasks within the organization and said, okay, cool. We can do this much better. In fact, we, we don't have to have to do this. We can do it this way. So they changed the whole, like that. Yeah. It's still delivered to the, to the, to, because I, I think sometimes we need to be careful. And I'm not saying we shouldn't do it. But I think sometimes we scare people with the word innovation. And I, I know this conversation on innovation where, okay, cool, we're going to innovate. So we're going to redefine the whole business. We're going to fire all the old people. And now we're going that way, right? <laughs> that doesn't have to happen. You can also innovate within your team, innovate within, you know, and I think as an entrepreneur, I want to make space for people that I work with to be able to innovate. Of course, I'm not saying it, does, it discounts the bigger things that you need to do to shift the organization in a different direction, but then... You know, you have to kind of have the business people and innovation people work together. But yeah, um, rabbit hole. Sorry. Dennis, you, you go first. Very short, very short, very short. So I like when you're rambling in that sense and when I'm <laughs> rambling because you, you tend to say things, nuggets that are really, really interesting. And one, two words that make Joshua's uh, triple helix idea of uh, exploring, experimenting and creating put some spotlight on a space between exploring and experimenting is making space. And this is, this is what you said, which, you know, that triggers my thinking. It's like, when do you, when you are outside of looking at how you're innovating something, um, you tend to spot spaces where you need to make space for people to be entrepreneurial yeah. and then start to innovate or incrementally get better. And maybe even when you are ready to implement your bigger innovation, uh, make a step towards uh, revising their wheel that they're uh, working in because you are working on the wheel. And in that sense, it's interesting yeah. to say that making space, and th this is true to anything that's changing, making space is one of the biggest things that needs to happen for people to, to entertain the thought of changing. Or entertain, and so in that sense, I'm bringing innovation into the realm of change because you're changing something that is maybe not broken, but because you have forward vision, you say, "Well, we need to keep moving because otherwise we're going to stand still and we're going to die." And this is a concept that is foreign to people who are doing good work, and they don't understand why they need to change. And we need to give them a way to understand that evolving their way of working is a good thing. Yeah. You know, yeah. but they tend to react in a different way. And this yeah. is where your tool comes in, uh, Joshua, where you need to figure out where an entrepreneurial tool set helps you to make space. I agree. That's, that's a valid point. I would like to challenge you guys a little bit on, I don't believe on the topic of you work on the business and in the business. For me, that's creating a hierarchy and that makes the change even harder. Um, for me, it's like, I, I would see it in, in a way like you work with the business the whole time. It doesn't matter if you're thinking you work on the business, but you, and I think that's specifically from an entrepreneurial culture uh, to get us a little bit out of the innovation space again. We, we talked about the good example. If if the good example is just orchestrating it from the top and then it's not working with the topics within nobody will take this person for, for doing true business. So that's why I, I, I rather see it in with the business. Banner shoot. Yeah. So I think the, I mean, I, I don't agree with you there. Uh, I think there is a distinction, but I think the distinction is, is really important for, for folks like myself. And I'll take you, Jens, you and me as an example. So, mm. um, this is not going out nationally, right? I'm not telling all my business secrets. No. <laughs> so, so uh, I'll, I'll share Globally. candidly. <laughs> Globally. <laughs> okay. It's anyhow, so nobody I'll, listening I'll, to it. I'll, That's I'll tell you. I tell you where you know I've I've now had my own business now for two years, right? So, well, a year and a half or so. And a couple of months ago, we had a sit down and we had a really discreet conversation about what we are doing. And uh, your example for me became a real insight into what I've been doing wrong and seeing how I can actually change my business. Now I have to change my mindset because I think for a lot of people like myself, we think we are working on a business to make, you know, to create an entrepreneurship or whatever, but actually what we're doing is we're doing freelance work. We are, we are selling our time to other people. We're doing all the work ourselves. I've just made my own coffee. Um, you know, then later on, I'm going to do all my accounting, all these other things. When you're working on the business, you start realizing what are your strengths 
and then you are able to give over some of the other things that are more systematized things within your business to people who can repetitively do that. So for example, I mean, we spoke about video editing and all these other kind of things is that, you know, I do still do a lot of my own video editing, but I could actually just farm that out to someone who's probably much better than me, make them part of my business and then focus on growing my business more and actually focus on the impact that I want to create with the videos that I'm creating, right? So I think that is maybe maybe the on and in kind of thing is more for people like myself to say, Vanner, are you really keeping yourself busy with working inside the business and focusing on all the things and the logos instead of actually going out and making sure that you're connecting with your customers, actually driving the business forward and growing the business rather than trying to work yourself to death every night. So that's kind of where I make the distinction between what 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 that is, you know. So I, I understand where Jens is coming from with the width, um, because it, it it is it does sound a bit uh, elitist to say, well, you guys are in the hamster wheel and uh, we are on the outside creating the wheel, you know, in that sense. But I I totally understand, and um, but I think um, uh, I totally agree that when you want to grow from going from one person. And seeing that repetitive business, repetitive uh, functionality that you don't want to do anymore uh, fits within your business model, then that's a way for you to grow. But what if this happens uh, for a company about hundred or hundred people? Then you need separate people who are looking at uh, managing what's happening inside and people who get yeah. space to work on the outside. And then I would say the width. Uh, idea that uh, Jens brings in, I really like that thought, but it's mainly to do with the fact that you um, that you take people along uh, on all levels. You need to connect what's happening in and on because when they are separate, you only make it difficult for yourself uh, to um, uh, come in with a story uh, that you created a better system and then you need to kind of uh, uh, force it on people uh, um, instead of making it part of their own uh, way of thinking. So I think it's a, maybe also if you look at this in, in, in time, th- this is where culture changes. You are now a culture of one. You know, you're, you're very nice in what you're doing. I am in that same culture. I love what I do, you know. And then when I make the decision to alter my business model to allow for other people to help me to grow my business, then culture starts, you know? So this is where it starts to create something different. Yeah, so I think it's a, it's a fascinating, you know, couple of concepts to get your head around. And one of the things, Dennis, I think you, you shared a lot of what, I, what I, I was thinking as well. And two words that I wrote down were, were connection and community. And I think that that's an extremely important uh, terminology that an entrepreneur needs to be conscious of when they are building out and the transition between the different phases of their business. And I think, you know, we've spoken already about continuity and how an entrepreneur takes different steps. You might take one step today, but 10 steps tomorrow. And how do you take people along for that journey? And something that, you know, just circling back to, you know, we were talking about the number of people and how do you keep and foster an entrepreneurial mindset, whether it be top down, whether it be working on with or for the business. And how do you do that? And I can't remember the exact terminology or phrase for this right now, but it's, a, it's in a book called Moonshots. And Safi Bakal is the is the author, and you guys might be familiar with it. And he talks about there's a transition between where teams become optimal and where they start to, you know, descale, and then you need to start thinking differently about the type of culture. And I think that in using an entrepreneurial mindset to do that, we are creating an environment inside an organization where it's not just transactional, but it's actually exchanging value inside of that space. And I think that that's very important for people to actually recognize that you are dealing, and Jens, you talk a lot about this in, this, in the, the concepts that you're producing and, and the way that you lead around valuing people and how are you keeping people yeah. included inside of that process. And I think that that's, you know, just some, some comments and some thoughts around working on, with, and for the business. And uh, that's, yeah, where, where my mind was, was thinking around those things. Yeah, and and just as a as a side note um, to what Dennis also said, I think also why why I kind of hang on to this idea of on, I also want to just clarify the on idea is not necessarily to say okay, cool, um, wearing a suit, going to the golf course, and then closing deals. The on is also about setting up 
the culture that your team works in. Because the one thing that I see with a lot of the leaders that I work with, they're so busy in their inbox that they, they, they don't have time to focus on the people that work for them. Because there's micromanagement, there's no trust to people. And I think that if you free yourself up, hand over the trust and have the systems in place and position people properly um, as a leader, you, you will install that culture. Because the thing is, um, you know, letting people to go do their own stuff or micromanaging is not what we're talking about here. And if you free yourself up as a leader to actually start taking care of the people and then also focusing on the growth of the business, the other stuff will start... So what I'm trying to say is I, I'm not saying that, that uh, the on means that you're disconnecting from, uh, from, your, from the in people. The, the, the important thing that, the, that we had to do, for example, at Deloitte, is to make sure that the culture is there. There's, there's space, there's tools, there's growth, there's opportunity. Because the other thing I also wanted to just say at the end is that I also think we need to be careful. There's like kind of two things. So first of all, sometimes when I hear Dennis, I, I feel like, you know, there is people who resist against entrepreneurship, for example, like they don't want to do it or they feel unsure. But I think there's also a lot of people who have not been given a chance to do that. Mm -hmm. So that's important to give them a chance. But, the, the, but then giving them the chance is not throwing a piece of meat over the wall. It's actually situ like setting it up, taking care, nurturing those people to become the entrepreneurs you want them to be. And then the other thing I would say, though, and this might be controversial not everybody in an organization wants to be a damn entrepreneur because one of the big challenges we faced in Deloitte is that because of the, um, and I think this is true for a lot of the professional services, is that there's a structure, right? So you work your way up. So you start as a, a consultant and then one day you're going to be a famous partner, right? And you're going to have a lot of money. I never got there. But um, the thing is, you, what we started seeing in the technology side, we'll bring in a developer, right? We gave, we gave him some shoes and a tie and now he's starting coding. And he loves it. But he also wants to have a career path. He also wants to grow. But he doesn't want to be a, a manager or a director or whatever. He wants to be the best damn developer he can be, right? So you have to kind of set up those things and take care of the people that might not want to go in that direction, but then plug them into your into your organization in a, in a meaningful way and also give them the space to do their thing because I tell you, we need them. Now, I agree with that point that every person needs to be able to grow in the direction where they want to be. Though I would, uh, I would counter argue that every, if you work in a business and if you want to work in a successful business, you need to understand how you contribute to that business with what you are doing. So you can be super happy in uh, whatever you want, want to do in that business, like coding or, um, and, and not leading other people. You can be a specialist for a specific topic. But I think what is often misunderstood from an entrepreneurial culture that doesn't matter where you work in, in the whole ecosystem of that business, you need to understand how you contribute to make it better every day, how you contribute and being Amen. part of the business. Okay, so this is this is the perfect jumping point to, to say you have this developer that is becoming the perfect developer but um, um, these are also people that are getting older and they're getting more mature and their vision and their perspective changes. And not everybody goes into the direction of uh, becoming uh, the perfect uh, uh, coder uh, until they uh, uh, take their pension. And there's going to be people who are saying, well, I, I, see these, I see these guys, I see them making the same mistakes, you know, and they really like me. Um, you know, and maybe maybe I'm I'm good at uh, trying to uh, uh, get a team together and help them, uh, and then they find a new focus, which is that they create even more value and they get even more satisfaction from the fact that they uh, empower others to uh, become better developers. And this then becomes something that is a part of a uh, a natural flow of things. You know, when you get older, and this is where the you know the Peter principle of being promoted to a point where you don't actually want to be. And you see all CEOs coming back to the, you know, even Bill Gates coming back to development because he was naturally promoted to that space because he is an entrepreneur. At some point he says, there's people who are doing this better. So, and I don't like it. I'm going to go back to development, my original space where I like to be, you know? And this is an interesting uh, loop that you go up. And then uh, it also means that when you are in a professional development if in, your, in your career, when you go up the loop, when you go up your own growth curve, 
there's going to be a space that you connect to uh, the best. And uh, I would say uh, the most important thing is to take that space very, very seriously and see how long you're going to stay there. Because uh, it's stupid if you if you stop your own growth because you feel comfortable, you know. But it's difficult to hear from somebody like a coach or whatever that you should move on because it's better to move on right now than to hit the hit the hit some kind of a, a wall later on, you know. And this is this is uh, uh, the whole idea of becoming of focusing more on prevention. Um, of uh, uh, something that might l- happen later on and looking for new things. And that's that loops back to the whole entrepreneurial idea is that I think people who are entrepreneurial, they should, and, and that's maybe the mindset thing, they are constantly looking for something new. And that is not something that we have taught people inside of uh, their business schools or inside of any art form or any creative or uh, engineer and uh, engineering thing we have not taught them to challenge their own position and uh, if you create space you're kind of doing that but you're doing it without a map so you're you're throwing people inside of a big black hole saying well you have to find yourself uh, and if you come out very good uh, you'll be more valuable but the idea there of course is to see if you can if you are the right person to lead a group of other people because you're getting older and maybe you know that's the stuff that we need to uh, totally push towards the beginning and say uh, uh, nurture an entrepreneurial spirit within kids and give them an idea that if you link to the idea that you want to do this, if you're comfortable to do this, it is okay to do it, uh, but don't lose it because because you you function well in a certain space. You know you're good at maths, so you should go into math or you should go do do something like that. Because people are miserable and doing something that they're really good at. So in that sense, it's interesting to see how you can link everything to the natural growth curve uh, and and, and be truthful about what you're doing there uh, at a certain space in time in the development of a company. And and I think that point is exactly, if you are an organization, you will have these people. And that's where, where this culture topic comes in. You need to allow them to do that. And if they're good, in what they're doing good and have contributed to your business over, let's say, 20 years or whatever, how can you nurture them to do even better in your own organization, to build, to keep the knowledge and keep the, the spirit inside the own, own organization and let them develop inside your business? Because that will keep them and that will bring it to the next level. But it feels a bit manipulative, doesn't it? No, I think it's it's more you need to allow the system to be able to do it, not you as a person. So yeah, that's we, that's why I always talk about empowerment. Yeah. You, you as a leader, CEO, or whatever, you need to empower the organization to be able to do it. But but there's a there's a point where you're saying as a as a leader, I empower my workforce, and it becomes about something that you are empowering people, and then that's the new thing of becoming you know uh, the, the 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 person that's. Uh, uh, rises to fame because you give space to develop, but you know it. It, it doesn't feel like you should get uh, uh, a claim for giving space. It needs to be a requirement to to grow. You know, instead of saying uh, because what I'm I guess what I'm saying is that usually in in big companies you get you get to stay. You need to be in your own space until you're ready to move on. But it should be the other way around, you know. If you, if you naturally you are going to evolve, you need to be have the space to do it. And usually, that's not what uh, is controlled in the right way within larger companies. Yeah, that's a fascinating point, Dennis, in terms of the way that you flipped it on its head. There, and I think it goes back to the question of: Does everyone want to be an entrepreneur? And how do you sort of create that 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 mindset where you create a mindset where you actually crave that space or you go after that space rather than being given or forced into that space because i think that that's a big thing in terms of you know we're talking about creating and experimenting is how do you create that environment inside your own mental capacity to want to create that space Um, and i mean you said it's a requirement but i might just challenge you around the word requirement and saying it's it's more sort of you as a person want to have to take that step because it's not for everyone um, and that's something that I think that we do need to yeah, unpack. It's exactly. kind of like, um, like just thinking about it, like innovators seek change, entrepreneurs seek opportunity. 
because mm. it makes me it it makes me think about like some of the the great entrepreneurs. I have I have one client at the moment. He drives me insane. I hope he doesn't watch this, but a senior person. And the, the one thing that I always see with him, and I see him as an entrepreneur and as a big organization, is that uh, he is able to distinguish where opportunity lies. And he's always seeking opportunity. And that opportunity is not always monetary. It's opportunity to grow the business, opportunity to deliver value to uh, to to his customers, to his board. Uh, you know, so it's like this seeking of opportunities. And I think some people have it and some people don't. But then there's also people who seek change. How can I do this differently? Or how can I just change things completely or change the whole organization? So it's, uh, yeah. Have you, have you ever heard about the Golden Dialogue? The Golden Dialogue is a is a I think it's called the Golden Dialogue, but it's the idea that if you if you um, if you have the the general growth curve, um, there's people who have there's different roles that people have on the curve, and the the Golden Dialogue is the success a company has when people who are in the uh, starting up phase, uh, thinking of new ideas and focusing on the bigger change, like Steve Jobs, he was in that first space and connecting that um, uh, with the entrepreneurial uh, space of looking for opportunity to grow towards the next business. And if you have that loop connecting the the beginning of a company towards the middle and top end, because when you go through the growth curve and when you are at the middle, you already start to need to start to think about the next curve. And the idea there is if you can connect the bottom of the curve with the top. That's what uh, 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 Tim Cook and Steve Jobs were. Now, Tim Cook was the perfect, uh, in that sense, opportunist to see how you can connect things that maybe are looking for the for the bigger change in business. How to connect it to the to the to um, to the market, and uh, you need to have somebody like an innovator like uh, uh, Jobs f- give them free reign to think about what the future might look like. And if you have that conversation that loops around those two ideas, then you get a, a business that can grow up to be something like Apple. It doesn't help happen that often, but I'm wondering if you can if you can set the different cultures that we uh, uh, put uh, that we found in the, this conversation. You have these different cultures. When do you put a culture in place where a um, a CEO, yeah, I don't know if the CEO should be an innovator, innovator um, but when you have a good conversation between the golden conversation between the, the, the development of new ideas and the opportunities in the, in the current market space and that you, you know, when you are looking at opportunities uh, in current market space, you need to look five years ahead to see how the new ideas get placed into the new market. In that sense, you generate your own continuity in that sense. So that's the golden di- dialogue idea. And I, I, I don't know whose it is, but we should find out. It's a, it's a book, I think. But it's it, it, the, the example that stuck to me was Steve Jobs and Tim Cook. And Tim is now uh, lost. He doesn't have the, 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 inno- the innovative change mind. And he's being pushed back to an operational uh, center stage where he's alone in what he's doing. And now Apple is... You know, it's still doing great, but is it coming up with the new great things? I heard that they have a VR thing coming up that costs $3,000. So I'm thinking, you know, that's going to be very interesting to see if that innovation turns into our new culture. I would I would like to slowly get to an end. So I think it's it, it's an, an interesting format we're testing out right now today. Um so let's let's do a rapid fire round of what, what stand out for you during this conversation today, um, and what you learned. Let's start with Vanna, then we go to Joshua and Dennis, and I will finish. I like how you always put me in the spot there. Yes. Yeah, you're just on the top left corner in my screen. <laughs> I I I mean, I value all the insights here. I mean, I think what I what I'm definitely going to go away with is really thinking a bit more about. And thanks to your input uh, around the whole idea of the innovation culture and then how entrepreneurial culture plugs into that. I, I want to investigate that a bit more. So thanks thanks for the inspiration in that direction. Yeah, that's what I take away from here. Yeah, well, firstly, Jens, thanks for, thanks for agreeing to another prototype. It's been a fascinating conversation. Um, 
and definitely lots of food for thought. One of the things that I'll, I certainly will take away is, is the concept of width. Um, and I think that that's a, it's, a, it's a huge thing that we need to understand, especially in this digital age that we're navigating at the moment. Because I think, you know, it's, you used the example of the IKEA founder doing certain things inside a business, which instills a culture. How do you create a digital culture and a company culture that you are creating in a digital environment? Because I think that that's the next challenge that a lot of businesses are going to face because it's not easy to identify the width um, when you are creating culture inside a digital world. So lots of food for thought. Thanks for setting it up. And uh, thanks for everyone's ideas and, and concepts. Um, definitely a lot to take away from today. It's really good. I don't know if I'm able to follow it in that way. It's a perfect summary. <laughs> uh, I, I, it's even opening up the subject of the next one, saying if digital is the next tool to create next cultures, which is uh, something very interesting to, uh, indeed. But I've, I've circled, I've, I made this drawing, of course, <laughs> and there's a design pickle in the middle. <laughs> it's a pickle in the middle and i like i like the pickle because the pickle is it's sour and it's kind of a uh, but it's also good at the same time there's different things uh, that you need to take into account when you go into a conversation about innovation and entrepreneurship and um i think we've created a map a little bit that uh, raises some very interesting questions I liked, and uh, what I take away is the idea that I like your explore, experiment, create, and um, uh, Werner's uh, addition to making space that fits into that. I think there's more stuff that we can add to that. Um, finding the first culture and the next culture, which is very interesting to me. Um, and um, I would say that uh, Werner, um, uh, keep, keep on rambling, because I like the innovators seek change and entrepreneurs seek opportunity. Uh, that is something also to question and also to seek seek out what what if that is really true. Uh, but I'd love to uh, think in black and whites like that to to challenge it afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> so me for me, too, it was me a success too. and a great uh, prototype. Thanks, uh, thanks for uh, setting it up, uh, Jens. Yeah, I also take a a lot away. I will not repeat what you said because it's it. I think a lot of interesting thoughts, interesting topics to to take forward in different settings um, as well between us. What's always interesting to explore when, I mean, normally I do one-on-one -on -one podcasts or alone topics. Um, it's quite interesting when you put a group of people together exploring a topic without detailed preparation that you come up with a lot of value, that you come up with a lot of opinions where you basically riff on each other which creates then new ideas. So that's also something I, I want to dig more into going forward is how, how can you allow space and how can you allow a room for people to riff on each other, to build new ideas, um, opening up a dialogue about a specific topic. And I think that's, that's one of the first prototypes in that direction, which, which allowed us to do that. It's awesome. Thank you very much for everyone uh, listening, for you guys being on, 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 on the show. Um, I think it's, it's, it's super cool, uh, that you spent the time with me. <laughs> I know everyone is busy, so it's, 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 it's great. And for everyone just listening, there's as well a video version of this and any last words from you guys. I just want to say thank you, Jens, uh, for allowing us to sit here and talk to you on your platform. Um, I, I continue to be inspired by your daily updates and uh, I'm really excited about what you're doing uh, within the innovation space and always also bringing these people together. But then furthermore, bringing people into this space to to grow this mindset. So really excited to see what's gonna, what this is going to look like in a couple of months. And then uh, it's great to be here with my fellow uh, designers and uh, innovators. And I would just leave you with this, that um, you will always get a great show if you have more than one South African in it. <laughs> That, that's a good one. Any, any Dutch root language. <laughs> any, any departing words from you guys? So maybe, maybe just um, don't be afraid um, because I think, you know, sometimes in, in, the, in the craziness that we've got going on around us, it's easy to get and, and feel like you need to protect yourself in cotton wool. But sometimes uh, t take the cotton wool off and um, go and shovel some snow like Jens has been doing um, over the last weekend. Yes. Um, 
because yeah, I think that that's just something to, to keep in mind as we explore what the, the future has in store for us. Explore again, great words. And uh, whenever you explore, I think from my, from my perspective, I love to make stuff that you find along the way uh, visible uh, so that we can rehash it and turn it into uh, something instead of uh, talking about uh, talking around the subject and uh, where we have nothing to stand on. So this uh, this can lead to the fact that when we have more of these innovation breakfast um, topics uh, that we talk about, um, I'm going to see if I can create some stuff for us to stand on maybe and see if we can uh, uh, follow the conversation back and forth uh, in the time that we uh, that we discuss these things. So uh, good luck uh, in that, uh, Jens, in finding the next topic. Uh, I think we found something very interesting in using digital as a, a, a tool for innovation uh, culture, but it's, uh, it's been a pleasure. So thank you very much. Great. Yeah. Thank you for being on the show. And for those who are listening or, or watching, please like and share um, if you think it's, it, it's a value for anyone else in your network. Thank you very much and see you next time. Hey, this is Jens again. Thank you very much for listening to today's episode. If you like what you have listened to, please subscribe to the podcast and share the episodes with your friends and people you think might like it too. If you want to know more about what I'm up to, please follow me on social media or look me up at jensheitland.com. Thank you very much and see you in the next episode.